and coughing up parts of our broken luck, we are back once again with another edition of Fusebox. This one, the not at all mystical, number 46, Cheese Wheel Sucker, and I am your non-cheesetarian host, Mark Rose, thanking you one and all, dear friends, for pushing play on this edition of the program. Sorry, 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 I, I gotta ask, I, I just gotta ask, what the hell does this title mean? <laughs> well, there you have the semi-dulcet tones of our dungeon master of twiddly knobs and faders. Milk canes, everybody. Uh, yes, I, I will be uh, thrilled, just thrilled, to uh, to tell you, to uh, enlighten you. Please do, because this time, even after Pollard had sent the cover art for this episode, it didn't help me at all. <laughs> I mean, you know, I expect you to come up with some brain-damaged show title, but, but I can usually count on Jeff to kind of, you know, rope the thing into something we can understand visually. But uh, this time, man... Uh... <laughs> well, fear not. Um, as a uh, perfectly reasonable and uh, historically accurate... Description follows herein. This show title refers to a, an old carny phrase for a game they, uh, they don't do much anymore in those uh, attractions, something called a cheese wheel or mouse wheel. Um, it's a game that has like a round cake-shaped play area with uh, holes in each of the several segments around the circumference. Now, customers would bet on which hole a mouse will choose to enter. <laughs> but, of course, unbeknownst to the patrons of this area, said mouse will always enter the hole secretly wiped by the agent with a drop of ammonia. Hence, the sucker in our humble show's title is the poor customer who chose to bet on this game. House always gets the cheese Holy carp. You know, I ran into a game kind of like that in Vegas once. Except it wasn't played with mice or uh, ammonia, for that matter. It uh, did involve holes, though. <laughs> well, speaking of small furry animals, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying a little food change experiment with... Uh, our mascots over here, Milo and Eco, the Japanese pocket squirrels. Um, oh, should I call for backup? Well, I, I sincerely hope not. But, uh, well, you know, these two have become increasingly fond of a little peanut butter treat now and again. Mostly again. And again, again. But uh, because we're having to uh, maintain a kind of austerity program around here as of late... Watching the pennies and so forth. So I thought that, you know, one of the cost-cutting measures I could implement would be to choose the other leading brand of peanut butter over the one those rascals are currently getting. You are kidding, right? Serious as a tax audit. Yeah, no. W w where do I send your mail? Do, do they even have post offices in uh, Obscuristan? <laughs> Hey, hey, times are tough, right? So, you know, we just 
Need to make some temporary adjustments, that's all. I'm, I'm sure they're... Hey, uh, did you ever get your health plan reinstated? Oh, come on. I mean, really, we're all rational beings here. A little peanut butter compromise is a small step in the... Just saying. So how do you feel about uh, zero-gravity conditions? I think you're making a bit more out of this. Hey, these are the same two varmints that brought the feds down on us not too long ago. Remember that? Don't get me started. We, we still don't really know who those guys were, but... In any event, I'm, I'm sure Milo and Eco will see the rational side of this uh, decision. Oh, undoubtedly. <laughs> but hey, besides, we have the wondrous and truly amazing show 50 to look forward to. And uh, as I said on the last edition of Fusebox, uh, we're pulling out all the stops, my friends. This will be one show to remember, cherish, and otherwise commemorate in the future. In all seriousness, I've been I've been setting up some things with uh, some very cool folks around the country, and I promise you, this is going to be outstanding. So uh, September twentieth is the day, gentle listeners. Although, through the miracle of the interwebs, it uh, will be available long afterwards in one of the many places you find shows such as this. <laughs> and I'm sure our uh, illustrious leader out there on the Unsug channel, Frank Edward Nora, will probably already have curated again yet another astounding repository, or method of delivery even, for uh, said content. He's, he's brilliant at uh, coagulating all that stuff happening on this channel, and <laughs> there is a lot going on here. <laughs> but... We are here to bask in the glory that is Fusebox number 46, Cheese Wheel Sucker. And on this uh, very installment, we continue on with the third part of four parts in our interview with writer, activist, and stripper L. Stanger, which follows directly. You know, if you book early, you, you, you might get a better rate, you know. To parts unknown to Japanese pocket squirrels. Oh, now cut that out. We've strapped Senator Bob Fusky to this gigantic slingshot. But it's to prove a point. All righty. So, uh, as you probably know, those who have been following along in your booklet, we've been featuring an interview uh, we did a little while back with writer, activist, and uh, stripper L. Stanger. And on this uh, third part, we discussed the book Elle created, as well as uh, some of the wondrous experiences she has encountered with uh, some of her clientele. On this... The Fusebox Interview. I want to talk about your book a little bit, sure. if we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, yeah. just uh, what I read about that uh, just sounded incredibly <laughs> intriguing to me, given this this industry as a as a whole. Anyway, yeah. Anybody who who will take the time to share about their uh, their experiences, uh, 
It's called uh, Strange Times Tales from American Strippers. So that one is a it's a collection of short stories by current or former strippers from around the country. There are 15 stories in there. Three of them are mine. Uh, mine are each uh, attributed to the pseudonym that I was using at the time when I wrote them. So the other 12 are different women. And I solicited, and it, it was not too challenging, but it was kind of difficult to put the word out where I was like, hey, I want to hear from you. It doesn't have to be a true story, but I want it to come from a true place. So if you ever fantasized about killing your regular... <laughs> <laughs> you know, or or if you've nice. you've survived something that you wanted to share or something that was funny. So the wonderful thing about all of the stories uh, in the book is that each of the the tones, the voices of the authors, you can tell they're all different because they mm -hmm. are. So I wanted it to showcase the the different women that work in this industry because we're not, you know, we're not we're not all the same. We might be you know, an archetype <laughs> mm -hmm. somewhere um, in society. But but all the women are very different. One woman, she's been a friend of mine for about 10 years. She's now out of the industry. She had danced on the East Coast at the club that I told you guys before we started recording uh, that is owned by a family. Well, they're, they're the Spinelli, Spinelli family. I don't think they're going to come kill me. Mm -hmm. But they're the family that uh, The Sopranos was based off of. Mm -hmm. So she worked in the strip club that that place was based off of about 15 years ago, and she had a ton of stories. Her story in there had to do with the two nights that she went to do a private show at a regular customer's house. And so, I mean, he had the pictures of his kids on the mantle, you know, uh, and he, he, he pushed a boundary one time, but her and the other girl, she was working with another girl, agreed to go back. Um, and he started strangling her. And she, you know, thought this was it. I'm going to die. Uh, and you can see how the mood obviously just mm -hmm. drops. But but that's how sudden it is. You know, it's, it's oh, it's this customer everybody loves at the bar. And like, yeah, sure, I'll go back and do a private show at his house. Like, he's probably fine. And then all of a sudden, he's trying to kill you. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I won't tell you how it ends, but she lived. Both mm -hmm. of the women lived. When I got that story from her, she's not a great typist. She She's not formally educated, but she's very intelligent. So she was a little reticent to try to send me a story where mm -hmm. she's like, I can't type this. It's going to be a mess. So I had her tell me the story over the phone, and I typed it for her. And I I paid her. I wired her the money. When it came out, Months later, she bought a copy, she read it, and she wrote me an email where she was like, I hadn't seen that story written down. Um, I'm going to cry, <laughs> which is fine. Um, she said, you know, like telling that story because she hadn't told anyone. She says that that was that was a catharsis for me. Um, she says, I feel like I can actually let that go now. Yeah, so that's, yeah, so that's it was pretty really, cool. It was really valuable. That was very valuable. And then there was a couple stories in there that are just funny and ridiculous. But I'm very proud of that one. That one's on uh, Amazon. I sell copies out of my backpack at the strip club. But oh, is that right? Yes, but Amazon's easier <laughs> for yeah. most people listening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, we'll, we'll provide oh, a, a link to that here in the uh, show notes uh, for those who are curious about that. Wow. Um, the, I have to tell you, the formatting is very DIY. It's kind of a mess. <laughs> oh, no, and it says that in one of the Amazon reviews. It's like, 
I couldn't get through this. The story was good, but it was typed like shit. And it's not that bad. I mean, there's just some big paragraphs. Uh, I'm not a copy that's a, editor. It's all part of the actual mm-hmm. texture of these stories. Mm-hmm. You've got to mm-hmm. play along. Mm-hmm. Stop being a typographer. Well, I mean, I like to, um, even in my writing, I like to type the way that I think you would hear their voices. So I'll I'll get a little creative with punctuation. Well, and, and like that, that comes out too because uh, I've uh, on your uh, blog page there, your website. Um, oh, lstanger.com. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, links to the thrillist stuff and exotic magazine mm-hmm. articles and stuff, which are very informative. I will say, <laughs> I, I think uh, as I was talking to Jeff earlier today about this, one of the things I found fascinating to me was the uh, the beautiful dissection of your customers, oh, quote, end quote. Thank you. What type they are, the top 10. Thank you. You know, where people fit. And this is a perspective that is not often heard or, or <laughs> relayed in any rather eloquent way. And I, and I got a big charge out of that. Oh, thank you. Because I think we know every single one of those people yes. in some way. Thank you. I had... Um, <laughs> I like to do quotes of the night or quotes of the week. Um, Last night I just posted one, and it was a 42-year-old, I want to say like the aging skateboarder, snowboarder type. Um, You know, yeah, right? Knew it. He was a stoner guy. He grows grows weed uh, for, I guess, the last 19 years. This is based off of what he's told me, but I noticed when I was giving him dances, he has a pretty fucked up shoulder, and he said he needed a surgery, and I asked him if it was from skateboarding, and he said it was actually from snowboarding, but, you know, the same thing, whatever. Um, so he's got, like, the beard and the hair and, like, the PBR hat, and uh, and he tipped me very well. Um, he was very mellow. But he said it was just such a lovely – because he's, he's stoned, and he's relaxed, and I'm, like, rubbing his neck and, like, you know, resting my butt cheeks on his crotch, and, and he's he's in a happy place. And so it's just this, like – 2 a.m. stone stream of consciousness where he's like, he's like, man, I got to break up with my girlfriend. She sucks. She really sucks. I don't know, man. She's all right. She's cool. Whatever. (laughs) And it's like, you know, he's not looking for a response. No, no. Just let him talk. No, absolutely. And it's fine because it's therapy. So where where, where truly is the stereotype? There's Right. I mean, and it's all, you know, and it's all types. And there was... There was an incident last night with this, I want to say kid, he was probably 23, but he was the bachelor and he had some big stupid balloon tied to his wrist and and all of his friends looked like they texted each other before they left the house because they're all dressed in flannels and skate shoes and, you know, (laughs) they threw money down for a little bit and he was a little douche because he... um, he pushed boundaries with a couple other women when he got dances. Uh, one of my coworkers thought that he actually came in his pants, which I was like, well, was it pre-cum or was it like a full load? Because, I mean, you oh know, it God. happens, but not very often, but it happens once in a while. Anyway, so, but when I got in there, um, he had this he had this ceramic necklace that was very elaborate and didn't seem to match the rest of what he was wearing. And he's like, very solemnly, he's like, oh, it's from New Zealand. Um, it's about eternal love. And so I'm figuring that him and his fiance, you know, each have one, whatever. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to, that's that's lovely. I'm going to tuck it out of the way so I don't, you know, break it when I lean back on you. And he fucking bites my shoulder. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sober 90% of the time when I work, like, 
I mean, I've been stoned twice on shift and it was just a horrible idea because I was so spaced. Um, and I love to drink, but I just it, I just can't do it anymore. Like it makes me bloated and zitty, so I just don't. Um, but I was sober <laughs> and I'm glad I was because I just very calmly like, don't don't do that. And and then he was trying to like, I don't know what the fuck he thought was going to happen, like try to ask me out. And it's like you're engaged and you just bit me, and I think you came in my your pants like an hour ago. So, oh, but then God. he did the thing, and I, I should have even known this, but um, he did the thing where he acted like uh, he had already paid me, where he was like, oh, I didn't give you $20? And I'm like, no, you didn't. And he's like, oh, I thought I did. I'm like, okay, well, we need to get this from somewhere. So then I go ask his friends, and they're like, oh, he told you that? Oh, so then it was apparent that nobody was going to pay me and I had just, you know, dealt with this for a waste of time and effort and also just the principle of the matter. It's pretty fucked up. So, I mean, I actually lost my shit and I grabbed him by the shirt and I'm real strong when I'm pissed. (laughs) And I walked him backwards outside and like very loudly like, don't ever fucking do that again. Don't do any of that. You know, and I wanted to embarrass him and I wanted it to be seen. And um, his friends saw it and they ran outside. What happened? And then, you know, then they're okay to pay me. They're like, okay, we're going to take care of this. Thank you. And the bouncer saw it and he's great. Um, So I talked to the bouncer afterwards where I was like, yeah, I lost my temper. That didn't look good. I shouldn't do that. I, you know, I would have done some things differently. But the bouncer was like, I got your back. I understand. Fuck that kid. They're leaving, you know. And for what, $20, you know. So it's just amazing how quickly things will go from one to the other. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is fun until it's scary and infuriating or, you know, whatever. And it doesn't take much for it to get to that. No, it next really, level. It, it really doesn't. And I could probably start jogging or hitting a punching bag or something again because the nudity is really arbitrary to me at this point. You know, I've been naked on the internet for ten years uh, as a you know nude model stuff, and uh, um, I you know if someone tells me that I my tattoos are gross, I'm like, okay, well that's you know you're allowed to feel that way, but that's funny that you also think it's okay to say shit like that to people. Mm-hmm. Um, or if someone's like, oh, your pussy is perfect, I'm like, oh, thank you, I like it too. You know, <laughs> so how these people feel about my body doesn't affect me, mm. but the weird energy it's it's really like i understand why my therapist has a therapist you know because <laughs> the endless chain the yeah. it's just the shit that people will throw at you verbally mm-hmm. um can be the really enlightening or amusing or infuriating stuff that's what it is well, so you're going to see quite the carnival of uh, humankind. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's no question about there's it. There's the best and there's the worst. And if people are a little uh, socially lubricated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And this is why it's probably good that I am not a cop because mm-hmm. I might have shot somebody already. <laughs> you know, some of the craziest people I've ever met are shrinks. Yeah, I've heard that sentiment echoed many a time. You know, I, I guess being around all day just takes its toll. Or maybe it's like a contact high. You know what I mean? Huh. You know, <laughs> I, I never thought of that. <laughs> well, we uh, we wrap up our interview with L on the next edition of Fusebox, so 
Be sure to join us for that. Back in a flash. Hi, I'm Carl Cornshaver, and I've been really, really successful in my life, and now I want to share with you my amazing and totally awesome methods of success, a system I call Carl Cornshaver's amazing and totally awesome methods of success that are totally awesome and amazing. Grab a pencil because you'll want to refer to these incredible and totally awesome tips for success all the time. Tip number 44. Inherit a gigantic fortune. Then buy everything. I'm Carl Cornshaver, and I'll see you at the top. The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. Hey, I, you know, I know we've talked about this once before, but is it just me? But have you ever noticed this recent phenomenon regarding giving away uh, quality content for seemingly no reason? You know, company sets up a free webinar that addresses some issue you, you might be interested in or, or promises to solve said issue for you, except that when you get there and spend the 20 to 30 minutes or so, whatever, in the end, you find out that the solution is to hire them or buy their software or subscribe to their service to do whatever it was they were assuring you that this webinar was going to do and or solve. Or whatever. Yeah, kind of like those timeshare pitches. Yeah. Where they promise you a free vacation to some uh, exotic port of call, and all you have to do is listen to a brief sales presentation. You know, but what they don't tell you is the moment you get off the damn plane, they lock you in a meeting room with a, with a bunch of other victims and give you the Turkish prison treatment until you sign your life savings away. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there, there. Look, there are no free lunches or no free solutions without some tiny little piece of code or email address harvesting or some other deceptive practice going on. Really, same as it ever was. There's water at the bottom of the ocean. And speaking of semi-obscure rock and roll, I want to mention that. Uh, on a recent edition of uh, one of our colleagues here on the Unsug channel, PQ River, his program uh, Night Project, uh, he mentioned an album by uh, X10CC alumni, Godly and Cream. They came out with a bunch of incredible albums, one of which I am going to recommend to you now. Uh, and you can listen to it in its entirety for free on YouTube uh, at this moment and probably whatever moment you're living in. Uh, this is one of those albums that came out in 1978 and sank like a stone and was forgotten because, you know, a new wave and modern music was moving in. And uh, this album is very much a mid-70s kind of a vibe, but 
Oh, this is good. It's called L, the letter L. That's it. That's the uh, entirety of the album title by Godly and Cream, C-R-E-M-E. I would say this album sounds like if you took Steely Dan and gave them a bunch of acid, there's even a really strong Zappa vein. And uh, check it out. Thanks, PQ. Aptly described there and highly accurate, too. Now, now this was significant to me for a couple of reasons. And, uh, okay, we're going to get a little guitar geeky here for a second, but bear with me. The, the, the first being that these two cats were the true experimenters in that previous band, 10CC. The, the, the pop sounds came more from the collaboration with the other guys in the band at the time. And uh, Godley and Cream had other designs in mind for the musical horizon. And one of those designs was an invention for the guitar called the Gizmatron, a device that uh, utilized several teeny-weeny small electromechanical wheels to bow the strings of an electric guitar, giving the player the ability to create, like, well, almost symphonic effects, very unusual things, legato lines and stuff you couldn't get easily. Uh, As a matter of fact, you're hearing a, a sample right this here moment. From an album of uh, Godly and Cream's called uh, Consequences. Very interesting stuff. Now, as a young, aspiring guitar player back in those days, I was positively and nearly mad with obsession with this device, and it, of course, was uh, only a prototype at the time, and therefore Lal had the only one, and that was that. Then, a small British company started to manufacture the thing. I think it was in uh, 1979, and uh, by that time, I had drifted off into, like, strange boxes with knobs and patch cords coming out of them and wasn't really obsessed with the guitar stuff as much as uh, we were all trying to come up with new and exciting squeaks and squonks from our ARP and Moog distractions, as you might imagine. So, uh, as it turns out, the uh, build quality on these little guys, uh, the very first release of the Gizmatron, was uh, much less than delightful. And soon, many of the parts just kind of wore out, I mean, prematurely on the things. And uh, the company that first made them went out of business in the process. So you flash forward to present day... And I'm talking 2016 in our current time frame. And guess what? The Gizmatron lives. A guy by the name of Aaron Kipnis, who uh, prior to this was extremely renowned for creating restoration parts for this uh, keyboard made by Honer called the Clavinet. Think Sly Stone, you know, that stuff. Very guitar-oriented sounds coming out of this thing. He put a team together to resurrect this device, and uh, voila, Gizmatron 2.0 is here, and looks pretty cool, too. So, uh, you're gonna get one of those things? Oh, man. Oh, sure would be fun. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's been one of those holy grail types of things for me for years. A while back, I did pick up one of the, uh, I guess they're called Ebos, that uses a similar idea, but it's uh, one string at a time, and you have to hold the thing near the string, and as opposed to being something that's actually mounted on the guitar itself and has a bunch of buttons on it that you push, and it's just very cool. 
So I, I, I wish Gizmetron the best of luck with this thing. It looks like a really great design and uh, is also endorsed by uh, co-creator Kevin Godley as well. So for those interested in such guitar geek-oriented kinds of things, a link to gizmetron.com is in the show notes there, and I invite you to check it out. Something tells me it will be uh, a little more affordable than it was back in the day. <laughs> So, we shall carry on. Somewhere in America. Ted Fleener offers his wife, Betty, a suggestion. Say, hon, do you uh, really think you need that second piece of cake? Timmy, say, why so glum, pal? Oh, hi, Uncle Carl. Gee whiz, what's a guy got to do to find cool merchandise these days, anyway? I've been searching online everywhere, and golly, all I can find is lots and lots of girl-on-girl porn, pictures of cats, and posts from losers who live in their parents' basement playing Pokemon Go, whatever the fuck that is. But I can't find neato shirts or coffee mugs or anything. Gosh, I'm about to lose my shit. I really want to find a hip flask so I can sneak hooch into church like you, Uncle Carl. But I just can't find any. What the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> well, Timmy, that sure is a dilly of a dilemma. But here, let me show you where to look. Gosh, look at all that swell merchandise. Wow. Thanks, Uncle Carl. Fuse box is the shit. It sure is, Timmy. It sure is. Thanks to Fusebox, Timmy can get himself a genuine Fusebox hip flask so he can get shit-faced in church just like Uncle Carl, who isn't really Timmy's uncle but is just a nice man who lives in his van down by the river. Find Fusebox hip flasks and other swell merchandise at thefuseboxshow.com. That's thefuseboxshow.com. Uncle Carl, I don't have a credit card. Now what'll I do? Why, that's easy, Timmy. Run in there and get your mother's purse. So, yes indeed, dear friends. Please check out our Fusebox store, as it seriously does help our starving little show here, and uh, get groovy cool stuff in the process. And, you know... We're starting a weekly post on the uh, Fusebox Facebook page featuring um, a new and exciting product of some type. I don't know. So look for that um, or just hop on over to the Fusebox store, which can be uh, found easily at thefuseboxshow.com and clicking the 
shopping button. And we do thank you for that. And that will wrap this one up, friends. So uh, once again, thanks to the ever-capable Milt Keynes for technical assistance and so forth. Uh, say, buddy, how's that uh, social media interface project going, by the way? <laughs> what? Oh, you mean my uh, potential Facebook page? Yeah. Uh, still under advisement. And you know what? I agree with Timmy. All I see is food and cats on that damn thing. I, I don't know. Well, keep at it. Because uh, we all have high hopes for your debut. Carnival tent size thanks to Eric Newsom, Trista Perez, Jeff Pollard, and to PQ River for allowing a wee lift of some of his program content from The Night Project, and to El Stanger and Noel Snow for making this edition of the show more than just a whimsical thought balloon. Also, the aforementioned Gizmatron clip that uh, you heard there was from the album Consequences by Godly and Cream on the Reprise label, and uh, you can find that, well, just about anywhere. And, of course, to you, gentle listeners, wherever you are. And uh, we are looking. Thanks for, uh, once again, pushing play on this program. And with that, I'm your non-ammonia-imbibing host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Peanut butter. Peanut butter.